With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is going to be recruiting-centric, plus we'll give some thoughts on the draft. I'm going to bring on 24-7 Sports analyst Brian Snow to dig into the Keon Brooks recruitment. We're going to talk about Cole Anthony, the son of Greg, who's the best available prospect. We'll talk about Anthony Edwards' impact at Georgia, and then we'll dig into some discussion on the top couple players in next year's NBA draft. Before we get to that conversation with Brian Snow, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Leave a rating. Leave a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that conversation with 24-7 sports analyst Brian Snow. It's time to go minimum with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now I want to welcome in a colleague from over 24-7 Sports, Brian Snow, to the sidelines with Evan Daniels Podcast. Brian, what's up, man? Just living the dream over here, Evan. Living the dream. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking out the time. Uh, I wanted to kind of veer this podcast as a, a more of a, a recruiting-like podcast. And if anybody knows the background and, and potentially where some of these guys are headed, it's you. And, and there's particularly been a, a pretty hot name as of late, and that's Keon Brooks. He's one of the best available prospects a guy we have is a five star you've been following him pretty closely for years and his recruitment's really ramped up he took an unofficial visit to Kentucky this past week and I guess kind of how do you handicap his process right now and, and where things are at I mean it feels like I've been saying this for a long time but he is coming down the stretch of his recruitment <laughs> uh so you say now I mean it it's been a long home stretch we'll say that but you know this is a kid he's he's really been genuinely torn on where he wants to go to school. And that's kind of the biggest factor here in this taking as long as it has. But, uh, he made an unofficial visit to Kentucky last week for their game against Tennessee. He was hoping to go to Michigan state the following day, but the timing didn't work out. He's been to Indiana before he's been to Purdue before he's made an official visit to North Carolina. So he, he's still kind of considering all five of those schools, but, it certainly seems like Kentucky, Michigan State, and Indiana have, have emerged to the front of the pack. Well, why do you think yesterday there was a massive run on the, the crystal ball for Kentucky and my phone blew up? It looked like a Christmas tree with all these texts I got about Keon Brooks to Kentucky. Is he going to Kentucky? I guess where where do you think that came from? Is it just that he took a visit and people are jumping on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I but I think it's logical. I mean, you got a kid who's going to decide and – in, in a few weeks now, a few weeks could be two, it could be one, it could be four, you don't know, but he's going to decide in a few weeks and he, out of, I don't know if it was totally out of the blue, but somewhat out of the blue, shows up on campus and let's be honest, if you were at that game, 
where Rupp Arena, I'm sure, was absolutely going bonkers and you didn't have a good time, that means you're not a human being. So <laughs> you have a kid who's you know having a great time at one of his finalists, a school with a pretty good track record on the recruiting trail. I, I think there's a lot of conclusions that you can logically draw from a visit like that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And obviously you and I both know from covering recruiting, and, you know, those type of atmospheres can certainly help you. There's one thing I was curious about. He's, he's got an AAU teammate, Trace Jackson Davis, that's going to Indiana. Does that factor in here at all? How close are those two? And, and, and where does that reside in, in factors for Keon Brooks? You know, they're close. And, and they do talk often. They talk about their recruitments. But I think at the end of the day, you know, Keon is making his own decision. Trace made his own decision. Right. And while kids want to play together that are friends, the reality is they know what each other are going through in the process, and they want, they want their friend to make the best decision for themselves. So, of course, it's a positive factor for Indiana, but I don't think it should be made in the too big of a, a factor in the overall grand scheme of things. Got it. I know that you said that you think we're headed down the home stretch of his process, so I, I'm guessing a decision sometime in the next two, three weeks. But do you think he'll take any other unofficial visits before he ends it? Right now, my guess is no, but I would have said he wouldn't take any unofficial visits last week, and, well, it happened. Right. So right now, I don't think anything is planned. He, he is definitely leaving that possibility open. And the good thing for him and other college coaches is he's on spring break right now from La Lamere School, which means he's at home in Fort Wayne really, I think, for about the next two, two and a half weeks where he, he's got free time. Now, that doesn't mean his parents have free time. They have jobs. So, you know, it's not like he can just pop down. They can just pop down wherever, whenever. But it makes it a little bit easier to get to games. So it wouldn't shock me if a visit happens. It's just right now I would say nothing is set to take place. Got it. Where are you at in terms of a, a potential prediction for him? Do you have any kind of gut feel at this point? Evan, I live in Indiana. If I make a prediction and it's right or wrong, my house is getting burned down. So I'm going to wait until I know. <laughs> From my ten years living in Lexington, I can relate. <laughs> Nashville people don't people don't care as much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm worried about my house. You guys can make your prediction. <laughs> well, let's move on. I, I want to talk about the four other best available prospects outside of Keon Brooks, and it starts with Cole Anthony. This is a kid that's um, has an impressive pedigree. His father, Greg, played in the NBA for a long time. He's been going through this process. He's been very clear that he is in no type of hurry to make his college choice. He's number four overall prospect in 24-7 sports composite rankings, and uh, he's got a, a list of schools narrowed down. W what's your take on the Cole Anthony recruitment, and, and where do you think it stands? you got to appreciate the fact that the kid's been upfront and honest the entire time, basically saying, I'm going to be the last person in this class to decide. And I would say he's the odds-on favorite to remain the last person in this class to decide. Um, the two schools you always hear about are Oregon and North Carolina. Certainly, it seems like North Carolina's done a really good job in this recruitment. Um, they're good. Especially with the way Kobe White's playing, there might be you know 40 minutes of playing time at the point guard spot available for Cole. So that's something I know he likes. And then Oregon, where he's, I believe he was born out in Oregon. You know, his dad has ties to the area. Those are the two schools you hear the most. And I think ultimately those are probably the two it comes down to. Yeah, I would completely agree. I, I would even go a step further, and I, I, I do think it's those two. But I think even everyone involved in this process is leaning towards North Carolina from everyone that I've talked to. 
in terms of sources and stuff like that. So I, I actually have a prediction in at 24-7 for North Carolina. That's the school that I think ultimately he probably ends up at. Obviously, Oregon would be the school that I would say is if he doesn't go to Carolina, that's where he'd go. But I, I've kind of been leaning North Carolina for, for a little bit. Yeah, and then that makes sense. I mean, that's been the buzz is that Carolina is probably the team to beat. But, you know, again, with Cole, who seems content to wait until April or May to make his choice, you know, there's always time for things to take a sharp right-hand turn. <laughs> uh, no question. How good do you think he is? I actually saw him, Brian, uh, this past weekend. It, there was a, a Jordan brand event um, in um, – it was going on during All-Star Weekend. And um, I, th- I think he's really developed – more into a point guard you know this is a kid that you know you and I've been watching since probably freshman year and he's always been known for his scoring but I do think he's he's doing a good job of kind of developing into more of a distributor and maybe that's a little easier when you have a guy like Cam Thomas next to you that can really score yeah you know uh I would say he's a really good player now what's interesting about Cole is even at like the high school level he is capable of some games where he is just a total no-show and I'm not even saying, like, he doesn't play hard. I'm just saying, like, everything goes wrong, we, which is really odd for a top player. Usually when they have a bad game, it's like, you know, they just don't play that well. But his bad games, like, they really fall off the charts. So those kind of stick with you a little bit. But he's a good athlete. He He's a capable shooter. He can really get to the lane. And he's a tough kid who plays hard. You know, some people look at son of an NBA player. He's going to have – you know, some like low motor because he doesn't have anything to fight for. Not this kid. He plays his butt off every time he's on the court. So I I think that there's no entitlement at all. I I think, I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to be one of the better freshmen. Now, long-term, I do think there's some potential limitations, but I I think he, he's going to be a really good college basketball player for one year and then go to the NBA and have a long career. Yeah, I think that's – I think you hit it, especially with the motor. I mean, he plays – you can make Casey plays as hard as anyone in the class. Uh, Isaiah Stewart obviously would be in that conversation. But Cole brings it uh, night in and night out. And and I agree with you about being one of the better freshmen. I think he's he's one of those kids that I think is ready to step into a college environment, not only, um, you know, physically – but also from a, a mental standpoint, you know, I think he's he he's he's has a high basketball IQ. Um, he understands the game, and you know, I think a lot of that probably comes from uh, his pedigree and and growing up around the game. But I agree with you. I think you know, if I was making a a list of you know who are going to be the most productive freshmen, um, he'd probably be at or, or towards the very top. Uh, let, let's let's move on to uh, Jaden McDaniels. Have him number five overall in the twenty four seven Sports Composite rankings. Uh, six foot eleven, kind of versatile forward, and he's been a guy, Brian. That um, his recruitment, I, I want to say, is almost like flown below the radar. Maybe it's just because he's so quiet and doesn't talk very much. And uh, but it, it just seems like you know no one talks about his recruitment. And he's got some pretty you know good schools on his list. Obviously Washington, uh, Kentucky. San Diego State, Texas, and he's still listing UCLA, but uh, they don't currently have a uh, a head basketball coach. So, um, what seems your... unlikely he would go there. Yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. I think yeah. we can come to that conclusion. It's funny um, at Hoopal Classic, which is was like three weeks after uh, Steve Alford was let go at UCLA. Uh, Jaden acted like he didn't even know that he wasn't the coach there anymore, which was <laughs> interesting. 
But uh, what's your take on this uh, this recruitment? Um, all signs seem to be saying Washington at the moment. Certainly getting Isaiah Stewart, I don't know if that helped directly, but it, it, it makes Washington a more appealing option for sure. Um, close to home. You know, San Diego State, where his older brother's playing, they, they're, I think they're going to be in it to the end, but I have a hard time seeing Jaden go there made a visit to Texas, a visit to Kentucky. But I think all the buzz right now has been centered around Washington. But, again, Jaden's a really quiet kid. His father keeps basically everything in-house. So getting concrete information has been a little difficult. But all the talk has been about Washington, certainly for about the last month. Yeah, and this is a kid, Brian, that I've had a chance to see a couple times during this year. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking about you know Cole being ready right away uh, as a freshman. I think Jaden's going to be ready, um, but I think his best days are more, probably more three years away, four years away than it is one year away. But this is a kid with a lot of talent. Um, I mentioned his height at 6'11". Uh, he's versatile. He's got good footwork. He can score it from the mid post and in. Um, how, how good do you think he is? Yeah, this is one of those interesting situations where if you're a college basketball coach, you're kind of like, well, I know I'm going to have him for one year, but am I going to have him for a year where he's going to be pretty good or am I just going to have him for a year? Whereas whereas Jaden McDaniel's ceiling is NBA all-star. Cole Anthony might not have that ceiling. Cole's so much more ready to play his one year of college basketball that for a college coach, it's a lot easier to invest all that time and energy into one year of Cole Anthony than it is in one year of Jaden McDaniels because you just don't quite know what you're going to get as a freshman in terms of production. He's get, he's got to add 20 pounds to his frame. He's got to you know get his motor a little bit differently, learn physicality. There's just so much more that goes into it. Um, it's kind of one of those interesting situations where his best bet he'll be a better pro than he is a college player, and you do very rarely see that. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I, I think the thing with him is just the upside of potential and, and where he is going to get to, and I think he's going to get to. Um, it's going to be fun to watch his development. Let's move to uh, Matthew Hurt, uh, number eight in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. Uh, his list consists of, of, of uh, the Blue Bloods, Kansas, Kentucky, uh, Duke, North Carolina. Um, this is a kid with uh, that that's really accumulated uh, quite a bit of interest over the course of – uh, his high school career, and rightfully so, he's a top ten player. Um, he's also a kid that that really has put this process somewhat on the back burner. Now he's taken official visits uh, to the four schools I just mentioned. Uh, how, how do you handicap this race? You know, everyone everyone's pointed to Kansas for a long time in this recruitment, uh, but you know, the kid seemed to really like his visit to Duke. Um, got the impression he was really kind of blown away with everything there coach k the whole deal i i think he's really interested in duke now he's interested in kentucky and north carolina as well but you know talking to some people it just kind of seemed like duke did a really good job on that visit so we'll, we'll see we'll see what comes of it matthew's a kid he you know he, he focuses on what he focuses on it, it's kind of getting better basketball and then he lets the recruiting process kind of come to him and I, until his season's over in high school, I'm not sure we're going to see too much movement in this recruitment. And I think people have jumped to a lot of conclusions on, you know, just kind of where he's leaning and in, in everything very early on, which was actually kind of odd. Right. And he, you know, he made his visit to Kansas. He's still got one left. 
he wants to take it somewhere seems unlikely right now. You know, maybe his older brother's in Minnesota. He just makes a visit to Minnesota. We don't know. But I, I wouldn't – none of the four would surprise me. I guess if you you made me guess, I might guess Duke right now. But nothing would surprise me in this recruitment between those four. Matthew, his mother, and his father, they've been to each campus multiple times. They've really done a lot of research, and they're, they're just kind of going through this process with Matthew, who's a more basketball-centric kid, and his parents are kind of handling the recruiting aspect and attention right now. Yeah, they've definitely taken a professional approach to the process with the, you know, the unofficial visits and the official visits. You can tell that they've really put in quite a bit of research. I really agree with everything you just said. Uh, none of those four schools would particularly surprise me. Uh, and I'm like you. I, I would lean towards Duke at this point. Um, nothing really more than a hunch. But I, I think that, that they've, they've put themselves in a, a pretty good position. And, and honestly, he would um, him and uh, Vernon Carey would play pretty well next to each other, as would Matt with um, – these other guys at any of these other schools, I think he would fit in great at, at Kansas, Kentucky, or North Carolina as well. But I would uh, I, I would lean probably towards Duke if I was making a prediction at this point. Uh, on the court, uh, he's known for his skill, and um, you know he he can stretch the floor with his jump shot. He can go down to the post and make hook shots. He can make mid range jump shots. Uh, what, what's your take on his game? I really like his game. I like his game more than most, to be honest. I, I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for. And I think a lot of his, I don't, he doesn't, it's not like he has issues. He's a top 10 player, but a lot of what needs to be corrected in this game comes with strength. You know, he, he can turn it over because he's not physically strong and the ball gets taken from him and things like that. I think as he gets into a college strength program, that's going to be changed. And with his skill, his size, his solid athleticism, he, he's going to be good. And, you know, there's so much room for that right now, both in the college level and the NBA, where you're pay- playing with pace and you space the floor and you need forwards with versatility who can score from all three levels. And Matthew can really do that. The last guy that I, I wanted to bring up and talk with you about in terms of high school recruiting is is Precious Achua. I don't know if I butchered that last name, but um, he's uh, he's one of the best available prospects. I think you got it right. I think I think I did pretty decent. I practiced it earlier. Um, one of the best available prospects, a five-star. Good thing we're not asking you to spell it. <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's one of the best available prospects, uh, a five-star kid. Uh, pretty long list at this point. Uh, UConn, Memphis, Kansas, North Carolina, um, Georgia. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a wide-ranging list, and honestly it's one that hasn't really been cut down yet. Uh, what's your take on his recruitment and, and where things kind of stand uh, with Precious? I have no earthly idea where this kid is going to go to school. <laughs> um, like, there's just, you know, his older brother, God's Gift, played at St. John's, and it's close to home. I think they're in the mix. You know, you, you mentioned all the usual suspects that have been involved. UConn has certainly gotten a lot of attention. Uh, but I think if anyone tells you they know what Precious is going to do, they're lying to you. Um, he he seems like a kid. He's going to be in a battle with Cole Anthony for the last one to decide. And while Cole's kind of gone through the visit process and really done all the, a lot of due diligence, Precious just hasn't. So until we start seeing movement on the recruiting front, it's tough to know who's really right in the mix. Yeah, I agree. I actually think that this one's probably the biggest wild card of any of the top-tier available 
prospects and and you know I even left off some schools St. John's Florida State Western Kentucky those three are are in the mix too uh, I, I did speak to uh, a source close to his recruitment fairly recently and, and they were working towards setting up some official visits and I think once we see those official visits we may be able to, to gather a little more intel and, and, and kind of figure out exactly the direction that he's thinking but I, I think he's he's probably the biggest wild card of all these guys because he just hasn't gone through the process, as you said, and, and hasn't really narrowed things down. So his recruitment is, is extremely tough to, to, to handicap. Uh, in terms of his play, this is a, a long, athletic, kind of versatile uh, forward um, that's at Mount Verde right now. How, uh, how do you assess his play and his development over the last two years? You know, he's kind of the exact opposite of Matthew Hurt in terms of how they play, but the fact that they kind of play the same spot. Precious is a big, physical, athletic kid. Should be able to guard anybody. is a is a problem going to the rim. He has, but he doesn't have that you know that perimeter shot, that mid range jumper. He, he's never gotten that consistent. Um, it's been an up and down senior season for him, if we're being honest. Uh, he's down at Montverde. He's had some good games. Had some games where he's kind of disappeared. So he's got to get his skill level up. There's no question about that. But, you know, he, his long-term potential because of his size, strength, athleticism, he, it's, it's basically unmatched because of, of that combination. But he, he's got to continue to refine his skill game and how that comes along will be interesting to monitor. For sure. Uh, moving on, one of the biggest storylines in, in all of um, high school basketball recruiting and even college basketball was Anthony Edwards' decision last week to go to Georgia. Uh, this is a kid that I know um, that you really like as a player. Uh, honestly, you you probably before anyone were, was talking about him in an elite way and being in an elite category. And if I had you on, I definitely wanted to talk to you about his game. W- what sticks out to you about Anthony? He's the guy that uh, he's number two in the 24-7 sports composite rankings, but number one in the, the top two four seven, uh, which you, I, uh, um, were, which we compile over at 24-7 sports together what's your take on Anthony Edwards and uh and his game and and what do you like so much about him you know to me he's he's the exact kid who transitions to the NBA and to the NBA at the highest level he plays on the ball he's a good passer when he needs to pass he can really make shots he's a heck of an athlete he's a big physical body at guard you know we're getting to the point like the old power forward position has gone completely the way of the dinosaur. We're almost getting to the point where the point guard position's the same way, where it's kind of you give the ball to your best player and just kind of tell him to be wonderful. And that's where Anthony Edwards is great. You know, he's got some of that James Harden to him where he's not a point guard, but he can pass and he can shoot and you give him the ball and good things are going to happen. And I don't know that there's a player really in the last couple of years who transitions as perfectly to the way the NBA is going as Anthony Edwards does. Yeah, I completely agree. He's so good with the the ball in his hands. And, the, you know, I think when people hear the the James Harden comparison, um, they expect a guy to be, you know, one of the top three, four players in the NBA. I think it's more in, uh, when you say he plays like James Harden, I think it's more just because he's so good with the ball in his hands and so creative. Yeah 
whether it's you know coming off a ball screen or just breaking defenders down and pulling up for jump shots. And the thing that I think the scary thing about Anthony, and, and you mentioned all the you know positive attributes, whether it be the physical gifts or the athletic ability or the the improving jump shot. I think the scariest part about Anthony Edwards is the direction that he's trending and how far he is from becoming the complete player. Like I think. This kid has a lot of room for improvement, and that's pretty scary when you think about it. Yeah, he's already, to me, like maybe the most productive guard in college, or college basketball, high school basketball, and he's still getting his body the way he wants it to. You know, he, he's a kid, he's kind of been a thicker kid, so he's still getting in, in ideal shape. He's, he's still figuring out, you know, how he, that, that balance between shooting every ball and scoring every time and passing and making others better. So he's still figuring it all out, and he's come so far in the last 12 months. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to have a big-time freshman year. Now, what's that going to mean for success at Georgia? We don't know. We've, we've seen Ben Simmons. His team went to the NIT. Markel Fultz, his team went to the NIT. So I don't know necessarily how much success it's going to mean for Georgia, but I do know that kid's going to put up numbers. Yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be an instant contributor, and I think Tom Carino will utilize him, you know, off the ball, on the ball, in a variety of different ways, and uh, it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, there's one other high school player, I guess we can call him a high school player. I wanted to ask you about. I can't have you on this show and not ask you about Lamelo Ball. I uh, I keep getting messages because um, I've said on this podcast before that there's not. I, I don't really think there's much of a chance that he plays college basketball and. I've gotten a ton of messages uh, about him definitely playing college basketball. I guess he went on a show and said that there's a couple schools recruiting him the last week or two. In your opinion, Brian, is there any chance that LaMelo Ball indeed enrolls in college and plays college basketball next season? I mean, I guess there's a chance. I don't think it's a good one. But I guess, you know, until the NCAA deems him 100% ineligible, I would guess there's a chance. Uh, Personally, I don't know how much interest he actually has in doing it, or I, I think he's just interested or his father's interested in the headlines that come with potentially doing it, but we'll see. I just, I would say it's a five, 10% chance at most. Yeah. I, I agree with your, your take on that and your assessment. I, I just, from the college coaches that I've talked to, nobody's really taken recruiting him seriously. Um, but it's a topic that keeps coming up. So I, I was just curious of, of your take. Uh, before I let you go, I want to hit you on uh, uh, one college basketball question and then uh, one NBA draft question. Uh, what does your Final Four, uh, college basketball Final Four, look like uh, as of uh, Wednesday, February 20th? Yeah, you know, obviously some of this is bracket dependent. But I think the, the the two schools you have to look at are, are Duke and Kentucky. They're the two schools playing the best right now. Um, and then even though they got their doors blown off, I still think Tennessee, they, they've checked the box of the school that's won the national title for the most part recently. Right. They're older. They're physical. They don't beat themselves. So I'm going to put Tennessee in there. And then I'm still going to stick with Michigan as my fourth school at the moment. But obviously, you know, it, they're, they're going to have to score better. The, their lack of offense does worry me, but John Beeline has a great March track record. They have a point guard in Xavier Simpson who's really good. They're really going to guard. They're not going to beat themselves. So I'll, I'll go with those four. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good four. And, and then the uh, draft question, if you were an NBA GM and you were making out your, your draft board, what would your top five in order look like right now? 
Um, it would probably be Zion Williamson, one. I might go Jay Morant, two. Uh, believe it or not, I'm going Cam Reddish, three. I know people are going to think that's insane. <laughs> probably R.J. Barrett, four. And then five's a tough maybe one. Maybe even, yeah, I might go Jarrett Culver, honestly. Long, he's athletic. He's been making shots. He makes tough shots. I kind of really like the direction of Jarrett Culver's game. I might even lean to him at five. Did you did you see him in high school? Yeah, we all did. He played for uh, I want to say which Texas EYBL team was it? He was I can't on. Remember, uh, but he was on um, Pro Skills. Pro Skills, yeah. And then uh, he, we saw him at NBA camp. So you saw him. I thought he was a good player. I thought he was probably a borderline top one hundred type kid. But his game has absolutely taken off under Chris Beard, and, and he's better than I ever imagined he would be. Yeah, and it was funny. I, I was pulling some of my high school evaluations of him, and I, I I had seen him three times. And like when I was reading my old evaluations of him, it was like every time I was intrigued, but never like all the way in. And uh, it, it, I think it just goes to show um, the developmental process. And you know, sometimes kids just get better. But he had that long, lanky frame. Uh, and athletic ability, and he just he just developed, man. It's been kind of fun to watch. Are you? And he's become a much better shooter as well. Yeah, he has. He has. I, I don't. You know, hearing you say Zion at one is is not surprising at all. Um, I actually just put up a, a story where I talked to a bunch of NBA scouts, and literally everyone said number one uh, for Zion Williamson. Nobody really even batted an eye. I think putting Ja Morant too would be a surprise to to some. Uh, I obviously have been really impressed with his season, his playmaking, his IQ, his creativity. What uh, what kind of prompts you to, to, to catapult him that high? And obviously it's that's not crazy. I think most people think he's somewhere in that range or two, three, four or, or something like that. But what what uh, what, what makes you um, so uh, so intrigued by him? To, to me, it's just the combination of length, athleticism, and the fact that he, he's a guard who plays on the ball, but it, and he can shoot. He, he can do so many different things. He's, he's got next-level skills from, from the guard position. And, again, with the way basketball is developing where pace and space and getting guys in isolation, defending the drive, stretching the floor, I think he fits in really well with the way the NBA likes to do things. And then I, he's going to have to get stronger, obviously, but I think he's got the potential to be a tremendous defender as well. Yeah, I completely agree. It's going to be uh, – this is a draft that, that we've talked about for a while, and honestly, overall, it's not a very good one, but – uh, with Zion's uh, steady improvement, John ja Morant's kind of coming out of nowhere. Uh, it's made the the top tier of this draft a little more exciting. Yeah, and you know it, it's one of those things. I think R.J. Barrett's a really safe. He's going to be a safe NBA player for a long time. And I do have some questions about how Zion translates and John ja Morant and Cam Reddish will get his motor going, but. You know, if if I'm drafting at the top of the draft, I don't want to draft a guy who's going to be my fourth fourth or fifth leading scorer for a decade. I'm kind of shooting for the moon a little bit, and that's why I would put Zion and Morant and even Cam Reddish, who's got the size, athleticism, and shot making ability from deep, slightly higher than R.J. Barrett right now. I get it, Brian. I get it. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We'd like to once again thank Brian Snow for taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Enjoyed that recruiting breakdown and conversation. Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines podcast. The best way to do that is to go to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. 
hit the subscribe button for me, leave a rating, leave a review. I would love it if you shot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think about the podcast. As always, thanks for listening and have a great week.